If we could find our seats. We're going to enter into our, our time this morning with a bit of a, um, we're going to do a responsive reading. And so I'll, I'll read, the words will come up on the slide, and then as you see the part that says, everybody read in bold, that's when all of y'all join in with this. So join me as we prepare to receive the word of the Lord today and what he has. Do we have that first slide? There we go. Yes. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have come, long expected Jesus, born to set your people free. From our fears and sins released us. Today we find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth you are, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. You have come to earth to taste our sadness. You whose glory knows no end, by your life you bring us gladness, our Redeemer, Shepherd, Friend. Leaving riches without number, Born within a cattle stall, this the everlasting wonder, Christ was born the Lord of all. Born your people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now your gracious kingdom bring. By your own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By your all-sufficient merit, raise us to your glorious throne. Amen. Amen. Well, we're really glad you're here this morning at 2828, joining us with us as Grace Church on this Christmas Eve. We're welcome. Everybody who's listening on the podcast, we're really glad you're here. You know, it's interesting when you get married because you merge traditions, right? Two houses have to come together and negotiate, well, when are, exactly are we going to open presents? <laughs> what exactly are we going to do on Christmas Eve? Well, whose house are we going to be at for Christmas? And, and do we trade between Thanksgiving or Christmas and how we do those things? And one of the things, one of the traditions that, that I love that I haven't been able to keep up in our house was Christmas Day, traditionally, we ate whatever we had harvested from hunting that year. So whether it was geese or venison or ducks or dove or quail, um, Christmas dinner was what we had gone out and brought home. And I love the experience of walking out. Those of you who, who do this, who, who have experienced this in nature, going out to a blind before the light. You get up. I mean, usually I'm so ramped up, I'm up before the alarm goes off. Get up and make the coffee. All my gear laid out. Talked with my buddies about who's going to hunt where, who's going to go to what part. And then you get dressed and you walk out and it's dark, totally dark. And you sniff the wind and you may hear the coyotes howl off in the distance that sends a slight shiver up your spine. And then you switch on your lamp 
and you start to head to that blind. Because in the day, it would be easy to find. But at night, you have to follow that exact beam from landmark to landmark as you go. And finally, you make your way up to the blind, and where I've grown up hunting in Texas, you know, you have to kind of, you have to be a little bit noisy, even though you want to be quiet, you have to be a little bit noisy, because you never know, there may be an owl, there may be a hawk, there may be something up there in the blind, so you got to pop open the door and see what flies out, make sure it's empty before you climb in. But you get up there, and you settle your gear, and then you switch the light off, and you wait for the light to appear. And it's that, those moments right before the dawn, it's those moments right when the light is starting to just seep into everything, where all the trees and all the bushes start to take on shapes. And you swear, oh, that's a big one, right? Like you're watching there, those of you who have done this, you're, you're looking out there and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that is a huge buck. And then as the light gets a little bit brighter, you realize it is a bush. <laughs> it was not moving, and those are not antlers. And then it illuminates the entire landscape, and it changes everything. Because that's what light does, is light illuminates, and it changes everything. You know, we talked about how on the Christian calendar, Advent is the beginning of the year. That first Sunday of Advent was the first Sunday, the, the New Year's Day of the Christian calendar. We talked about how the coming of Jesus actually changes time. It changes the way we order our priorities. It changes the way we give emphasis to certain things, and we resist the corrupting influences and of the world. Well, it goes beyond time. It goes into everything, and that's what we want to look at today. As I was preparing for this, I was thinking, you know, what are those things that have changed history? What are those things that have we mark time by and we say, well, that was before this, and now this is after that? And what do you think they said? What do you think the Library of Congress said the top 10 innovations of modernity are? What do you think they are? Somebody, this is, this is where everybody participates. Electricity? Okay. Radio. Radio. Steam, engine. Steam engine. And of course, this is a very subjective list with that. Printing press. What else? What, what can you not imagine your life with now? Cell phones, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Indoor toilets, amen, yes. Yes. With hot water, please. Cars. So here's their top ten list. This is from the Library of Congress. They said number one was the printing press. So extra points, whoever called that out. Uh, the light bulb. The airplane. The personal computer. Vaccines. Automobile. Cars. The clock. The telephone. Refrigeration. And my wife's personal favorite, the camera. 
Now, I personally believe bicycles ought to be on there um, with that. Um, but, but again, the list is subjective, and we think about those things, and we think about how those things really did radically change how we as human beings experience life. That if we didn't have any of those things, if we didn't have the printing press, didn't have telephones, no airplanes, no cars, how different would our life be? And yet, none of those things comes close to the radical cosmic change that happened when Jesus was born. When God took on human form to literally stop the destructive, death-covered tide of history and reversed it and reversed all momentum towards a life-giving, redemptive end. So we're going to look at two accounts because sometimes it's just we can't all get it into one story. We're going to look at two accounts of what this is. And what I want us to notice this morning is this, the way that this is the fulcrum of all history. The way that what we celebrate today, tonight, tomorrow, all during Advent, especially during Christmas, changes everything. So here's Luke's account. It's very detailed. It's very earthly. It's got a lot of this person did this and this person did that. Tells you why people went. And yet at the same time, it's incredible when you think, this is what God submitted to. God submitted to a census. God submitted to being excluded from having a place to be born. He submitted himself to being born in a certain way, to a certain person at a certain time. And this is what Luke says. He says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar, Augustus, to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone, everyone went down to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him, who was expecting a child. And while we were there, while they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child. Everyday stuff, y'all. You got to pay taxes. You got to pay taxes. You got to be registered with the government. Body has needs. Women get pregnant, they got to have that baby. You got to have a place to stay that night. Just the daily stuff of life. God steps into that. And if we focus on that, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's really moving that God would do that. But then when we step back and we consider anew who exactly that God is that did that, who exactly that God was, that humbled himself to enter into that womb, then we start to be overwhelmed. Because listen to how John tells the story. And as you look at the slides, consider we alternate 
between the manger and between the cosmos, between the man and between the light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him and apart from Him. Not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines on it in the darkness. But the darkness has not mastered it. A man came, sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that everyone might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. Children not born by human parents or by human desire or a husband's decision, but by God's. Now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We saw his glory. The glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. John testified about him and shouted out, This is the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than I am, because he existed before me. For we have all received from his fullness one gracious gift after another. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come about through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only one, himself God, who is in the closest fellowship with the Father, has God made known. Now when we put these two accounts side by side, when we look at just kind of the pedestrian nature of Luke's narrative, and then this cosmic unveiling of God in John's, we start to see a few things to reflect on this Christmas season. One is, Christmas shows us that our perception of how things are, are much different than God's reality. There's such remarkable contrast here. Who could have thunk it? Who could have thought that that child, that baby, born to this wandering, displaced, oppressed peasant woman, as Lois sang, to Mary, did she, could she have even known? She knew some things. There's no way she could have known it all. Was the very one who created the universe. And that nothing was created except by that Jesus. We all encounter that, right? We all encounter in our going daily lives, paying taxes, going from place to place, having babies, raising babies, sending them off, going through marriages, going through divorce, going through times where everything is great, going through times where we just can't understand if we're going to make it another day, going through times where we feel like we can conquer the world, 
and going through days where we feel like the world has absolutely conquered us. Into that reality, into that situation, not some situation when you get everything right, not some situation when you feel better, not some, some situation when all the bills are paid and everything's taken care of, not, not then will God come. No, now God has come. Here, right now, right here, wherever you are, that's the reality of God. God has come into that reality. And when we consider that, we start to see the amazing humility that God shows by using the most humble of things. Listen, Christianity is a faith, as much as we, we try to gussy it up, has nothing to do with superstars. There's only one hero in the Christian story, and it ain't me, and it ain't y'all. There's only one. God uses the humble. He uses the brokenhearted. He uses the depressed, the divorced, the drunks. He uses the ignorant and the blind. That's who God uses us because that's who we are. That's who I am. I don't stand before you some kind of supernatural qualification other than God just said, do this. He didn't pick me because I was better qualified. He just picked me. Just like he's picked everybody in this room. Not because of some special deal you've done. Not because of some payoff you've given. Because of who you are and his love for you. God uses the humble things to infuse with his cosmic grace. And what that makes us consider also is just how very different God's glitz is from our glitz. Right? When we get tempted to get caught up in the red carpet and the paparazzi flashing their light bulbs or the finale of Dancing with the Stars, or the halftime show at the Super Bowl, or whatever it is, whatever kind of glitzy thing we want to throw. And then we stop and remember, and we consider a million billion universes casting their light in the night sky. We consider the glory that comes from a child's face. We consider all the things that God has imbued around us in this world. We realize our glitz really ain't much. It really doesn't have a whole lot to offer compared to what God offers us. So this Christmas, this Christmas, I want you to stop and consider this man. I want you to stop and consider Jesus. And maybe the most worshipful, most meaningful, most valuable gift you can give this season is to reflect on the light of God in your life. The light of God changes everything. It's the only way we find our way in a dark world. 
It's the only way we see to the place where we need to go. Think about what it shows you about yourself, about God, and about this world. And think about what you can do to increase the place of that light in your life. And start to act according to God's reality rather than our own. So I'm going to ask Aloha and Josie to come back up. We're going to join now and sing. We're also going to take communion. We're going to pray. And we're going to take an offering as well. Thank you for being here this Christmas. And as you approach this table, the table that was set into motion before the universe was founded, Let the light of what is done at that table enter in and let that be our Christmas feast this year. Thank you for being here.